0: in the fifth and final week of our current series all about the head heart connection science is finally caught up to scripture and it affirms that we don't just think in our minds we think in our hearts as well spiritual growth comes from connecting the thoughts of the mind with the thoughts of the heart our faith asks us to make certain decisions about who we will be and how we will live our lives and Those decisions aren't just intellectual. They're also formed and shaped in our hearts. So we began this series by looking at the decision we all need to make about Jesus of Nazareth. He himself poses the question to us, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And he demands that we settle this question for ourselves. And it's complicated. It's complicated because he's universally recognized as a sage and he claimed to be the son of God. That's complicated. So that means either he is who he said he was and we should worship him as God or not. Basically, he's a lunatic, a liar, or the Lord. To really follow Jesus as Lord, we must not only believe he is Lord in our heads, we must hold him as Lord in our hearts. Three weeks ago, we looked at the Christian call to greatness. The Christian call to greatness and the challenge that greatness presents. Jesus said the path to greatness is through service. We choose whether we will be all about service or selfishness. It's entirely our choice, but we grow to be more like Jesus. In other words, we grow in greatness when we choose service and serve both all the time in our day-to-day life and from time to time here in our church family. Last week, with Father Nicholas's excellent assistance, we looked at the choice we make between belonging and being alone belonging and living in isolation. God has created us with the need to belong to a community of faith, whether we recognize that or not, and it is not good, it is no good for us to try and live our life or live our faith all alone and on our own. And we took the occasion last week to invite all of you to get involved in small groups here at Nativity. And I'm so happy to say it was a great weekend, one of the great weekends we've had here, and we experienced a wonderful response. Over 200 of you stepped up out of the pews to get involved in small group life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the good news, but the better news is that if you're not in a group, if you're still not in a group, there's still time for you to get involved. Just text GROUP to the number on your screen and we'll get you connected. If you've missed any or all of this series, each of the five weeks are available online on demand. That of course is at churchnativity.com. Sending a link to a friend can be an easy way to share a message too. Think about it. Next week we launch our next message series which we're very excited about, it's called dangerous prayers, and you can read all about it on our website. Plan now on joining us in person or online, and remember, a new series is always the very best time to invite a friend or family member who doesn't have a church to try our church. Today, as we wrap up this series, we're looking at a vital choice, or rather, the ultimate choice we must make when it comes to Finding fulfillment and ultimate meaning in life. In other words, a a nice light reflection for a Sunday morning. All of us know in our heads and we know in our hearts that we desire meaning. We have a deep down desire for meaning and a clear sense of purpose in life. We want life to be satisfying and fulfilling. We want our time and our effort to make a difference. And so, as we live our lives, we make choices, probably uh, lots of, of them, perhaps over and over again in view of what our head and heart are currently telling us about the status of meaning and purpose in our lives. That happens all the time. But then sometimes, sometimes it comes down to a moment and a single choice. And that's precisely the scene we step into in today's scripture that we're taking from the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel, where we read, Jesus was setting out on a journey, and a man ran ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Throughout the Gospels, especially Mark's Gospel, we see Jesus pictured on the move, a man on the move, on a journey, and of course we know that ultimately that was a journey to the cross. Here in this scene, a man runs up to him and kneels down before him and stops him. We learn in this story that the man was wealthy. That only matters because in that culture at that time, If you had wealth or authority or held an important office, you did not run. You had people to run for you. People ran to you, but you did not run. The detail suggests a sense of urgency on the part of the young man. Clearly, he had confidence that the Lord is who he says he is, and this is an important not-to-be-missed opportunity because he's got a question, and the question is a big one. Tell me about eternal life. Tell me the key to eternal life. When we think of eternal life, we think of heaven, living forever in our heavenly home, And that is definitely one aspect of eternal life, but it's not quite the whole biblical reference. When Scripture references eternal life, the phrase actually means more than just living forever. Eternal life is also about living your best life right now, living a life of purpose and meaning. That's what this guy is all about. That's what he wants to know, and thus his question. Jesus answered, you know the commandments. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Well, that's a pretty cookie-cutter answer, isn't it? Just what you might expect, but. An answer this guy could have gotten anywhere from anyone. This young man is full of urgency and intensity and he gets this vanilla answer from Jesus. Don't kill anyone. <laughs> That's a pretty low bar for someone interested in serious spiritual direction and spiritual growth. If you came up to me and said, I- I'm interested in spiritual growth, and I said, oh, okay, here's my advice. Don't kill anyone. It's not very satisfactory, is it? So why does Jesus answer him in such a way? Well, I think he's forcing the guy to give expression to the serious nature of his interest in following the Lord, the depth of his desire. Jesus heightens the longing of the young man by giving an unsatisfactory answer so that he'll be open to a deeper answer, a more significant answer, a potentially life-changing answer. And it works because the fellow responds, teacher, all of these I have observed from my youth. He's already following the commandments and it's not working for him. His heart is telling him there's more to life than religious rule keeping, there's more to his life. Essentially, he's reaching out to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I believe you can tell me what I need to do, how I need to live my life to make up for what is lacking in my life. I believe you know what I need to live a life that isn't just about observing the rules, coloring inside the lines, or thinking inside the box, but instead, living a life that has purpose and meaning and depth and richness to it, that touches the more that I'm longing for. I believe, I know you have the answer to that hole in my heart. How does Jesus answer all that? He looked at him and loved him. This is interesting because this is the only incident, the only time, in which the Gospels tell us that Jesus responded to someone with love. Now, of course, he responded to everybody with love because everything he did was rooted in love. But this is the only time that the Gospels actually pointed out. Why? Because it is his love for this young man that is the context for what he is about to say next. And what he is about to say next was difficult to hear. You're lacking in one thing. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. This is not, repeat, this is not a condemnation of the guy's wealth or even a general challenge to live without wealth. Though he himself lived simply, Jesus had lots of very wealthy friends, rather, In love, Jesus is explaining to this guy how his heart is shaped. His heart is shaped to be a disciple, to be a close follower and friend of the Lord. And nothing else, not even all his wealth, all his possessions, all his stuff will satisfy that longing. How does the guy respond? What does he do? He went away sad. He went away sad, he returned to his former way of life and all his possessions and all his stuff. He just kept doing what he had been doing. And doubtless, inevitably, he went on to live his life in sadness because of the complete disconnect between his head and his heart. A disconnect between the head and the heart can lead to sadness. He returned to his former way of life. How crazy is that? As the saying goes, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. But if we're honest, we'd all have to admit we're all a bit insane because we've all been let down by, by the same things, lots of things, different things, things that have failed to deliver over and over again. And what's our response? We go right back to it because we're sure that the next time will be the time it works for us. The billionaire Howard Hughes was once asked, how much money does it take to make a man happy? And he answered, just a little bit more. And that's how we all think. Sometimes we, we just think a little bit more money, a little bit more time off a little bit more support for my spouse. And then, then, I will finally be completely happy and whole. All the while, with a sinking feeling, the fleeting thought, that I won't be. So the rich young man walks away from Jesus. And next, it's Peter who speaks up for himself and for those others who have not walked away. Peter, who's never shy. Peter says, we have given up everything and followed you. He recognizes that he and the rest of the apostles are doing exactly what that rich young man did not do. And Peter is transparent. What's in it for me? While pastors and preachers typically appeal to obligation and guilt, we follow Jesus because we should follow Jesus, it's the right thing to do, it's a good thing to do, we're supposed to do it, we're obliged to do it, That was not Jesus' argument at all. That is not why Jesus told us to follow him. Most often, more often, Jesus pointed to something else entirely. It's called self-interest. Jesus said, amen, I say to you, there is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and the sake of the gospel who will not receive 100 times more. So as we wrap up this message and this series, may I invite you to put some time into reflection on what you typically think brings you happiness and wholeness and how well that's currently working for you. Maybe, maybe just test the Lord on this one in the coming week. Give up something, anything. Give up something that represents a crutch, a comfort, a consolation, your reward to yourself. What you return to again and again that never really, never completely, never quite satisfies your heart. Maybe for you it's money and possessions. It's your stuff. This week, try giving something away. Just give it away. Or write a check to your favorite charity, a check that maybe hurts a little and makes you forego something else. Maybe for you, it's pleasure. You turn to pleasure far too often. And so this week, perhaps skip a meal or two. Maybe for you, you need to feel important or that people are paying attention to you. And so this week you could fast from Facebook. That could be a good idea anyway. Fast from something that is a comfort, a crutch, a consolation, a reward you reward yourself with. Fast from it. And then when you fast, use that time for some extra prayer time. Prayer offered amid fasting has special power to it. Fasting creates a void intentionally that you can fill with the Lord, listening more carefully to the the Lord. Why do it? Why bother? Does it even really matter? And what's in it for me? Just a hundred times more. More.